morning. I want to welcome everybody that's joining us by live stream. Um, I'm excited about the message this morning. I'm going to take a couple weeks, and I want to talk about uh, the concept of reconciliation in the gospel. And so I want to preach two weeks at least, and I may come back um, after that and maybe another week. But I want to talk about the heart of a reconciler, the heart of a reconciler. I was away this week with my family and, and really just had a time of rest and just enjoyment. And um, I was meditating a lot on the word uh, just through my day and in the mornings. And it was a refreshing time. And I was so uh, engaged just with the heartbeat of the Lord in the gospel uh, to bring reconciliation and thinking about the themes all through the New Testament. And so I, I want to unpack some of that uh, today. I want to lay, uh, lay a foundational kind of a message today and then next week get into more of uh, Christian sort of character, how we walk out, what it looks like to be a reconciler. And so uh, I'm super excited. I'm trying to um, like, you know, cap my excitement because a lot of times when I go away and get refreshed, I come back, I'm like, whoa, yes, I feel like Elf. He's all excited. But uh, I'm going to try to be nice and calm, feel it in here and give it to you in a way that, that you can hear it. And, um, and I'm super excited about this message. So that's all I got to say. I do want to mention this. While we were on vacation, uh, my, my uh, youngest son and I, we went bass fishing. I like to do that annually uh, just to, to go out and go to one of those Florida lakes. And my son caught a 10-pound bass, a 10-pound bass. That's like catching a 750-pound human. I mean, that is an unbelievable feat. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to give that shout-out. Proud Papa. All right. Let's, uh, let's get in the Word. I'm going to pray, and we'll, we'll open up the Scripture. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your Word. Lord, this is such a wild season. What a wild time. But we know that you are calling your church into love and into maturity. And so I am so grateful for how you lead. I'm so thankful that you're good and all you do is good. And though the earth may be reeling and, and shaking, you are unshakable. And so we engage with you and we have a firm foundation. So Lord, I'm asking today, release revelation on the word. Would you let me speak as an oracle? Would you Open all of our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Would you unpack truth from the Scripture that will change us? We don't want to just go through the motions and do another service. We don't just want to do another deal. We want to hear from heaven and receive and be changed, myself and all of us. So, Lord, hold my hand. Stand with me here. Let me declare with clarity. Let the Word of the Lord run swiftly. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, well, I was thinking about reconciliation and being a reconciler. And when I'm saying being a reconciler, I'm talking about something that the Bible calls all Christians into. It's the ministry of reconciliation. I think most of us are probably familiar with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And what I want to do today is I want to kind of just lay a foundation and unpack what that looks like and how 
that pertains to us in our lives. And then next week, I'll, I'll walk us through more of the details of how we walk that out. But I was thinking about this issue of reconciliation. And um, I was thinking about how Jesus really foundationally, he, he explains this in the Sermon on the Mount. And I, I remember in 2005, I was studying the Sermon on the Mount and, and the Lord really began to minister to me out of the Sermon on the Mount. Now that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the Sermon on the Mount, in my view, it's really the treatise of the kingdom of God. It's Jesus laying out the value system and the culture of what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be in the kingdom. And, and the, you know, I think we learned in Sunday school way back, there was these things called the Beatitudes. And, and the Beatitudes are, are what Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with. And I always like to refresh people on this. When I see those Beatitudes, what I realize is Jesus the King is coming to give us the values of his kingdom. And those Beatitudes, they constitute the core values, the core values of the kingdom of God. And, and so uh, I remember 2005, I was studying this thing and, and the Lord began to speak powerfully to my heart and, and, and really bring some serious conviction to my own soul. Because when I, when I studied the Sermon on the Mount and I looked at what it said, I realized that the way that I had learned Christianity was actually very different from the values that Jesus said were the values of the kingdom. And that, for me, that was a major point of conviction and deep concern. And it was in that season that the Lord, he spoke powerfully, prophetically to, to us in the house of prayer as a community, and he invited us to a 40-day fast over the issue of seeing the values of the kingdom of God from the Sermon on the Mount worked into our spiritual family. And that season for me was a deeply, deeply formative season. It forms much of my thoughts and how I lead and how I live as a Christian today. It was something where the Lord shifted dramatically what I thought about Christianity. And um, I remember in that time, the Lord speaking to me and he said, there is a collision coming. And I wanna just release this again. I've said this over the years many times. He said, there's a collision coming. And he said, the collision is coming between those who call themselves Christians but don't live my values and me. There's a collision coming between those who call themselves Christians but don't live my values and me. And I remember that word, it just, it shook me to the core because I, I had to take inventory of my own heart and see, do, do, is my culture or my values, does the way I live or my beliefs, my preferences, my desires, are they lined up with the values of the kingdom of God or have I just sort of adapted to a Western Christian culture, uh, you know, kind of added Jesus to, you know, what seems to be acceptable, sort of put his name on the way that I like to live and called that Christianity. And I think one of the challenges that we have in, in the West is we've learned how to do church. We know how to do services. 
We know how to do, now we know how to do live stream and, and on every you know, social media outlet. We know how to do all these things, production, marketing, media. We know how to do church, but are we living the values of the kingdom? And this has been a constant emphasis for me over the last year. I've been hammering us on, do we live what we say we believe? And here's what I'm concerned with and burdened with. I've carried this burden for a long time and, and much more even now in light of all the circumstances. Is are we, have we learned how to do church without being the church? Have we learned how to do Christianity without walking out an authentic Christianity? Do we actually live out serving, loving, giving, forgiving, sacrificing, humility, suffering? Do we live these things out with joy in our hearts and gratitude towards God? Because these points become rudimentary. They're the, they're the, the root system. Living in gratitude and love in a value system that is not of this world, that's Christianity. Living by what Jesus values and what his values are, it's completely different than living by the value system of this world or even the value system of Western culture or Western Christianity. And so when, when, when these things began to land on me in 2005, it was out of that season. We did that 40-day fast. I ended up writing that book, Culture of the Kingdom. And really, it was a, a series of eight messages I did on the Sermon on the Mount. And we have made that book available. And I think we've given it to virtually everybody in our spiritual family, at least on one Sunday we did. And it's just one of those times that was so formative to me. Well, that's what I want to walk us through. I want to walk through one specific value of the kingdom that at a glance it sounds so simple but it requires deep love and deep grace to actually walk this out now let me just just crystallize this in your mind when jesus gives us the the values of the kingdom the beatitudes these are not suggestions they are the values by which his subjects, believers, are to live. It's become popular in modern preaching. I've actually heard preachers say this, that Jesus preached the whole Sermon on the Mount to show people they can't live by his values and he doesn't expect that. That is false. If you've heard that teaching, that is false. What Jesus did was he gathered crowds by doing many miracles, preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he began to unpack what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. What it looks like to live as a citizen of heaven on earth. What it looks like to, to walk out something that's transcendent. Do you know we're supposed to be peculiar? We're supposed to be different. Well, man, the Sermon on the Mount makes it so evident how different we're supposed to be. And he, and he starts it off with, blessed are the poor in spirit. And, and he goes through this list. And, and, and then he says this thing. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are are the peacemakers, 
for they shall be called the sons of God. That value, it sounds so easy. Some of us have a mild personality. Some of us, it's just, you know, you get into a, a problem, a problem situation and, and, and your heart is just at ease and you just go into that. You go, I don't have to get into the fray. It's, I'm at peace, praise God. I'm a peacemaker. No, I would say you're a peacekeeper. And there is a vast difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Peacekeepers, they want to keep the peace. They don't want to upset the apple cart. They don't want to get into any kind of conflict. They just want to do whatever they can to make sure things, you know, they don't get tense. And they, they walk around ignoring problems or, you know, trying to skirt them and just sort of deny that they exist. They, they try never to say anything that's offensive or difficult. They try to make everybody happy. If, if, you're, if that's your personality type in this room, you should be feeling the heat right about now. Others, they actually are confrontative in their personalities. When they see something that doesn't agree with them, they, they bring the hammer. But that doesn't make them a peacemaker either because oftentimes the most confrontational people, they're really just trying to win. They're not trying to bring the kingdom. And there is a center road that Jesus cut when he said, blessed are the peacemakers that compels all of us, regardless of our personality type. I'll say that again. Regardless of our personality type, regardless of our gender, regardless of our culture, regardless of our age, that we are called to actually be workers of peace. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, it actually, it says this statement. It says, when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, a better English rendering might be, blessed are the peace workers. And so what a peace worker is, or a peacemaker is, it's a person who will get into the middle of a conflict. They will step right into a difficulty that they see happening. And they will risk themselves in order to bring the kingdom of God into the fray. So often, Christians have been unwilling to deal with difficult subjects because they don't want to upset anybody. That's the exact opposite of Jesus. Jesus dealt head on with the most challenging, difficult issues of his day. He did it with grace. He did it with peace. He did it with love. At sometimes he did it with, with a real staunch, staunch confrontation. But he always did it with one singular purpose. And it was to bring and manifest the kingdom of God into the midst. Now, we sang about that this morning. We talked about how we have authority in the name of Jesus. And part of that authority is to be able to step into the middle of crises, of divisions, of confrontational situations, 
and to bring something into the midst of those places that's from heaven and not from earth. That's called being a peacemaker. And I've thought about in my own life how often when I've seen a challenging situation, a a, a difficult thing going on between people or, you know, obviously in our nation right now, there's, there's much cultural conflict. And I've thought about how often I, I kind of, in my own heart, I'm, I'm sort of counting the cost. I'm kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, making a deal with myself. Like I'm saying, well, if, if I do that, if I step into that difficulty, that's going to that's gonna be such a, a pain. That's going to cost me so much. The energy expenditure, I mean, oh, I just, I just don't, I don't need the hassle of that. And then I have to do this. I have to think, well, if every believer decided it's too much trouble to step into conflict, then no one on the planet is able to bring the power of the kingdom of God into conflict. And what I realize is this, that though it may cost me that the cost is way more serious if believers don't step into the fray because what will be lost on the earth is kingdom influence and kingdom impact and the power to truly bring bring peace. And it is required of believers that we would not just agree with this value of the kingdom of God, but that we would live it. Amen. Amen. Should I just do the altar call right now? Because I, I feel it myself. You know, something happens to you in years of ministry. You, you, you know, you can feel fatigue set in on your soul and you, you start bargaining internally. Do I really want to do this? Do I really want to go there? Do I really want to da-da-da-da-da? And the answer has to be, A, we're going to be led by the Spirit of God. But B, we are going to risk ourselves, our, our persona, our, our platform, our reputation. We're going to risk in order to bring the presence and the power of God. Here's the question I have for us. As believers, when there is conflict, are we bringing the presence and the power of God into the situation to see the kingdom of God manifest in that situation? Or are we bringing some other spirit? And this is a challenge that I have right now is that it's so rare, it's so rare to find peacemakers. Have you noticed that? Because right now what's in vogue is draw a line, you're on this side or you're on that side. And if you're on that side, cancel. I don't even want to talk to you. Done. Girl, bye. I mean, that's how that line thing goes. And I'm going to tell you that has never been the kingdom of God. I'll say it again. That has never been the kingdom of God. What has been the kingdom of God is being a peacemaker. And a peacemaker is this. You get in between the two. And you bring truth. 
and you bring grace and you bring love without partiality. Your only uh, uh, partiality is to Jesus. And you get in the middle of the fray to bring the power of the kingdom in that place to release peace where there is no peace. I want to tell you something, beloved. There's a day coming. Revelation chapter 6 is, is really clear. There's a day coming where peace will be taken from the earth. And as we get closer to that day, it is going to be so, so critical for believers to manifest peace. You know, Jesus said to his own disciples when they went to to, uh, preach the gospel, they said, if they welcome you in, release peace into that house and into that city. And wherever we have an entrance, wherever we have an opening, do you know we're supposed to be bringing the power of the peace and the kingdom of God into that place? Your workplace, your school place, the, the grocery store, your family. Hallelujah. I always think about the awkward family gatherings that happen. And how Christians oftentimes end up being the odd one out in the family gatherings if the family isn't serving the Lord. You know that you have Holy Spirit on the inside of you and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the, in the world. That you have the power to bring an influence into those places that's greater than the power that, that the world has to bring influence into those places. And one of those manifestations of that power is peace. Shalom. Not just we're not having a problem here, but there is a peace that manifests the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And, and so when I was thinking about this being a peacemaker, it's, it's so critical that we understand that this is our requirement. It's something we're commissioned to be. It's something Jesus called us to be and to do. And, and it's important that we understand how it works with reconciliation And it's also important that we understand what it costs. What does it cost to be a peacemaker? What what are distinctions about being a peacemaker? I want to give you four. There's something about being a peacemaker that requires you to no longer live by your own values, your own culture, your own personality type, your own preferences. Being a peacemaker means you're stepping into the value system of Jesus, his very values, and you're manifesting that into the situation. And so the first distinction of a peacemaker is you're compelled by love above everything else. You have to be compelled by love. And I just think about my own motives, the things that move my own heart, and and, and my own preferences, my own desires. And I have to do this inside often. Am I being compelled and motivated by love? Or am I being compelled and motivated by something else? Self-preservation. A desire to be liked. A desire to be right. You know, there's something better than being right. It's being righteous. It's walking in love. It's bringing a power that overcomes hate. It overcomes fear. It overcomes evil. It's bringing a power that's grander than anything the enemy can bring. 
being motivated by love. And the only way that you can be motivated by love is if you know how much you are loved. I remember for years uh, hearing messages on walking in love and feeling like, dude, I can't walk in love. There's no way I can, I can walk in love. I don't, I don't love everybody. I mean, I want to act like I do, but I just don't. And it was only until, it was only after that I got a revelation of God's deep, crazy love for me that I began to understand his love for others. And that is when it connected for me. Oh, you love them like you love me. And if you love them the way you love me, I'll do anything for love. The only chance that we have to be motivated by love is that if we're filled with love. It's the love of Christ that compels us. That's the first thing about a peacemaker. They're motivated by love. They they don't mind what the cost is because love, it it, it compels them. It controls them. It constrains them. It, It causes them to enter into the fray. I remember one time my wife there was this moment where someone had, had spoken negatively about her. It, 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 it trashed her honor. And I remember being compelled to, to go defend my wife's honor. And I remember I found myself face to face with a six foot four, 275 or 80 pound person. And I was looking up at that person thinking, what have I done? I, I'm, I'm dead. And, I, and I, I said to that man, I said, and his son had said something to my wife that was very dishonorable. I said, you're going to make him apologize. He said, oh, yeah? I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, well, what did he say? And I repeated it to him. And he said, okay, I'll go get him right now. And he turned. And I went, wow, but how did I find myself in that moment of confrontation? I was being compelled, maybe a little bit by foolishness, but by love, because I was wanting to defend my wife. And there's stuff you'll do for love that you would never do any other way. And when you're compelled by the love of God, you'll find yourself in situations that don't make any natural sense. They, they, you know, they don't make any, you know, good return on investment sense, but they make sense for the kingdom of God. A peacemaker is compelled by love. Secondly, a peacemaker, they prefer others above themselves. Just like Jesus. Philippians 2, Jesus said, uh, Paul said about Jesus, have this mind in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself even to the point of death. A peacemaker prefers others above himself. Thirdly, peacemakers, they risk their reputation. Just like Jesus. You know, so many times when I've gotten into a situation and there's a challenge between two folk and I'm in the middle of it, I just think, this is not worth it. What if they misunderstand my motives? What if they don't understand what I'm trying to communicate here? What if I I don't say it the right way? You know what I've found? That happens all the time. 
Anybody that wants to be a peacemaker, you're going to say it wrong. You're going to mess it up. And, I, and I've, I've had those nights where I couldn't sleep because, man, I was trying to do my best, but I messed it up. I was just, you know, in the grace of God, I was just bumbling my way in. I tried to say it right, but I didn't quite say it right. And I, oh, man, and they misunderstood me. Now they think I'm worse than I was before. And oh, no. And, and that's the risk of being a peacemaker sometimes. Being misunderstood. Having your motives questioned. Having your motives questioned, found true, and then having your motives questioned again. I've been there and done that. I know what it costs. You lose often, but I'd rather risk and lose than never risk and disobey Jesus. Are you hearing me? Peacemakers risk, man. It's not, it's not necessarily safe to be in the midst of a Conflict or two parties that are at odds. They risk. Fourthly, peacemakers, they don't go with the sway of the culture because the culture is bent on violence. The culture is bent on division. The culture loves to draw lines. The culture loves to separate. And why? Why does the culture love to separate? Because 1 John says it really clearly. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. The whole world, it lies under the sway of the evil one. See, the culture is never going to be about bringing the glory of God, bringing the power of the kingdom of God. The culture is always going to be about dividing people, stirring up hatred, stirring up animosity, stirring up strife. The culture will always be about bringing division, but the culture of the kingdom of God will always be about bringing peace that glorifies Jesus, not false peace, a peace that exalts Jesus. Peacemakers have to stand against the culture. So obviously Jesus, he is our example of what it means to be a peacemaker. And I want you to think about it. He's the key example. And so being a peacemaker isn't just about sort of bringing, working peace between two parties. Being a peacemaker is far deeper than that. When we think about Matthew 5, verse 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the sons of God. That phrase, they shall be called the sons of God, that's a loaded phrase because it's speaking to our identity in familial love and relationship with the Father and it's speaking of the stakes of what it means to be a peacemaker and it's speaking of who we're supposed to look at as our example, the Son of God. And if we want to be sons of God, we're going to actually have to look like Jesus in being peacemakers. And what Jesus did in being a peacemaker is so severe, it's so intense, it's so selfless, it's actually far more than getting two people that didn't like each other, sort of making them like each other again. And so let's think about what Jesus did. Ephesians 
chapter 2, verse 14. Again, I'm just laying a foundation for this idea of being a reconciler. And this point of peacemaker, it connects deeply to this concept of being a reconciler, having the ministry of reconciliation. But look at what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 says. It says, he himself is our peace, who made both groups, that's Jew and Gentile, into one. And he broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. Do you catch what that's saying? That Jesus Christ, through his own death, destroyed the division. Jesus Christ, through his own death, he destroyed the enmity that was between us and God. What is being a peacemaker, really? It's laying down your life to bring the power of the kingdom of God into the earth. It's laying down your life to bring the power of reconciliation. Uh, Colossians 1.20 says, God chose Jesus to bring reconciliation to all things because Jesus brought peace through his cross. Being a peacemaker is about taking up your cross for the benefit and the blessing of others. Being a peacemaker is about laying down your life. And that's what this is in Christ. We lay down our rights. We lay down our preferences. We lay down our culture. We lay down our agenda. We lay down everything we're used to. And we come into another culture and another kingdom. And that's the kingdom of God. And we don't live by our values anymore. We live by his values. Can I get an amen? This is Christianity. And right now, I'm, I'm, I'm really seeing this in the church and there's a burden in my soul that where believers haven't embraced the values of the kingdom of God, they're being swept into the values of the world. Where they haven't gone ahead and gone through a values transformation, where they're no longer living by their own values, their own culture, their own preferences, their own dreams and desires, but they're living by the values, the culture, the preferences, the dreams and the desires of the kingdom. When they haven't gone through that, that transformation, they're getting swept away with the current of the culture. And the stakes right now, beloved, are too high. They're too high to play games with this stuff. We have to see that right now, it is a time to say, I don't want another opinion, but your opinion. I don't want a preference, but your preference. I don't want a culture, but your culture. And that means this, that we all submit our culture to the kingdom of God. That's white, black, Asian, Hispanic. Now, we don't lose culture. Every tribe, tongue, people, and nation is before the throne. But we submit it to the kingdom of God. And that's critical if we're going to be peacemakers, if we're going to be reconcilers, and if we're going to be one in Christ. 
We can't be swayed by the culture of the world system. And so that looks like us going to the cross. Hear me. You got to go to the cross. We all got to go to the cross. I was sharing about marriage recently and I, I was explaining how marriage, the goal of marriage is not to make you happy. Hallelujah. God's goal in marriage isn't to make you happy. God's goal in marriage is to make you holy. And so in marriage, what he's doing is he's found the cutest person to you who will escort you right to your death, to the cross. And we're so easily moved by a, a, a cute laugh and, a, and a, a twinkle in someone's eye and a cute smile, we'll just let them take us right to the cross. And then we hand them the hammer and the nails. And that's where most marriages break down. About the time that you're on the cross and you realize they're swinging that hammer at the nails that they're driving. Wait a minute. I didn't sign up for death. I signed up for happy. See, everything is about the glory of Jesus. And what's he doing in marriage is he is trying to conform you to his image. He's trying to bring you to the cross. That's what that whole Ephesians 5 passage is about. Loving your wives as Christ loved the church, husbands, is about dying for her. Submitting to that man is about dying. That's what this thing is about, beloved. It's always about us at the cross. Being a peacemaker will take you right to the cross every time. What I've found is this. There's a lot of Christians, they like to talk about the cross. They like to sing about the cross. They, they like to, to watch movies about the cross. But they don't like to get on the cross. You know, it's, it's hard to have an opinion when you're on the cross. It's hard to have a preference when you're on the cross. It's hard to fight for your rights when you're on the cross. Hello? No, see, we submit all of that to the cross and his kingdom, his values, his culture. And then we find what righteousness is. And we find what justice is. We find what love is through the cross. We find what equity is through the cross. That's Jesus. That's what being a peacemaker is. It's coming to the cross and bringing everybody to the cross. Jesus Christ, he brought peace through the cross. And then what did he do? He brought you and me to the cross so that we could experience peace and reconciliation. So let's think about now reconciliation. These last 10 minutes, let me just walk us through this. Again, just foundational. I wanna, the coming next week, I wanna unpack some of what Paul did and how he explained and called us to live motivated by love and what that looks like. So peacemaking is required. You see the connection I'm making now? Peacemaking is required for reconciliation. 
unless someone's willing to make peace, there is no reconciliation. So consider, let's go big picture. Consider our salvation, right? Unless there is one who comes and brings peace between God and man, there is no opportunity for reconciliation, right? So the the offense of sin is actually on both sides. Humans are offended with God and his ways and God being pure and holy and righteous cannot be in the presence of rebellion and sin. The offense is both directions. Jesus Christ becomes a man, fully God, fully man, and he steps right into the midst and he becomes the peace. The sacrifice for sin, he he takes it upon himself. He takes sin upon himself. He takes the judgment of sin upon himself. And he satisfies on God's side the requirement that someone would have to die for sin. And on man's side, he approaches God and he fulfills the righteous requirement of the law. He lives as a human being completely sinless. And so then the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, let me just give it to you. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Isn't that shocking to think that Jesus Christ in the cross takes the entire sin load of the entire world of everyone who'd ever lived and anyone who would ever live. He takes that sin load upon himself and he dies under the penalty of that sin. Why? To bring peace. The prince of peace. He's satisfying God's requirement of justice. He's satisfying the requirement of man's side of righteousness. And God is using his own son to reconcile the world to himself. And then that phrase, not counting their sins against them. Do you know this is the gospel? The gospel isn't, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. The gospel is, the Prince of Peace came and took your sin load, and God is inviting you into reconciliation. That's the gospel. That's good news. Good news isn't, you're going to hell. Good news is, someone already paid for you. Now, get rid of your offense. See, the peace has been brought on God's side. Humanity now has to get rid of its offense towards God. And that's why Paul said, we've been granted the ministry of reconciliation, calling people to be reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors... As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, it's now our job to call men and women, to call them into reconciliation. Jesus already did what was necessary on God's side. Our job is to call them in and say, hey, it's already been covered. It's already been paid for. Get rid of your offense. Repent. 
Beloved, this broad picture of reconciliation, it's our honor now that we get to stand in the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling people to God, calling them to to get rid of their sin, to to turn away from their own ways and, and telling them that that's only destruction, but the way has been paid for you to have freedom, forgiveness, liberty, and be in the kingdom. That's our joy, our honor to have this ministry of reconciliation. The debt's been paid. Step into the freedom of forgiveness. That's our honor. But in the gospel, the reconciliation is not just between God and man. It's between men and men. Hello. And that's what Ephesians 2 says. That he broke down the dividing wall between us and God and us and one another. And so in the gospel, just as we're commissioned to call people into reconciliation with God, we are commissioned to be peacemakers and to bring people into union by the Holy Spirit with one another. This is our compulsion. That the love of God, it calls us in to laying down our lives for reconciliation. So here's how I do the math. When I see a culture that's at war in the earth, when I see divisions and, 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 and all this fighting and, and anger and hatred, I, my intent immediately goes up. I go, oh, I've got something that's not like that. I have a power, I have an anointing, I have a glory, I have a love that can step into that mess and bring peace. Now I'm gonna come into that fray. I'm gonna come right into that mess and I'm gonna bring the glory of God. I'm gonna bring the power of the kingdom. I'm gonna bring light where there's darkness. I'm gonna bring unity where there's division. And beloved, this is our beautiful honor that we get to be one by the power of Holy Spirit, by the power of the cross, that we get to be one across cultures, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. We get to be one, not of our own doing, not because we joined a social club, not because we're on the same sports team, not because we go to the same school or just go to the same church. We get to be one because Holy Spirit is inside of us because Jesus destroyed the enmity. Do you see what I'm saying? This is the gospel. My point I'm driving for right now is The church in an hour of tumult, of crisis, as we get closer to November, I'm telling you, the lines are going to get drawn even more. The church's responsibility right now is to get into the fray and bring the kingdom of God. The only human leader that any of us, that any of us need is Jesus Christ. That's what we have to have our minds on. There isn't a human leader that's going to fix the American condition. There's not not a, a political party that can fix the American problem. The American problem is a sin problem. 
The American problem is a greed problem. The American problem is a, is a racial problem. The American problem, it's a sin issue. Jesus is the only one that's caught into that chasm that can bring peace. And this is our honor that we get to be a different voice right now, beloved. I think about it, and when I see the infighting and I see the rhetoric, I, I, guys, I mean, honestly, I can't even watch the news channels. I, I mean, it's, sometimes I just, I just do it like how fast? How fast will it be until they say something that's completely not God? And it's like five seconds. <laughs> I mean, I can't even last. Why would I want to fill my ears with brainwashing to get me to think differently than Jesus thinks? Why? And so when I see this infighting, this cultural thing, these lines being drawn and, and all these things separating, dividing people, uh, you know, all sorts of issues and we're going to vilify this group and vilify that group and everybody's the enemy except for us. Whenever I see that stuff, I just go, that's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. Now, I, I, I look at that and I think there's a fire raging. And as a believer... I can either step into that fire and dump a bunch of water on it, bring the power of the kingdom and bring peace, or I can step into that fire, get swept away with the culture and pour a bunch of gasoline on it. Right now, I'm telling you, the, the necessity, this culture needs, you know what America needs? A united church. A church that's alive in the love of God. A church that's willing to risk being peacemakers. A, a church that's willing to speak the truth of the kingdom of God, not the truth of a political party. A, a, truth, a, a church that's willing to say Jesus Christ is the only answer right now. He's the only answer. And, and to really camp on that. I was sharing with the worship team earlier, you know, we all, we've chosen to serve Jesus. We said yes to the gospel. You know, if you're a believer... You said yes to the sacrifice, that, that reconciliation. You said yes to it. And, and I don't know about you, but when I said yes to that, when I first said yes to that, all I, all I knew was I was getting out of hell. I thought I was getting out of hell free. That was it. I just didn't want to spend eternity in hell. So, okay, Jesus says I can go to heaven. I'm in. I had no idea that it meant I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to die to my preferences. I'm going to die to, to all the inclinations of lust in my heart. I'm going to die to all my opinions. That I'm going to not just say yes to the ticket to get out of hell. I'm going to say yes to a value system that is heavenly and not earthly. And right now, the earth, this nation, it needs to see a, a loving church that's so given to Jesus, that's manifesting something so different than the culture. This is our great honor. You know, I love it because this works so well with the sports analogy as I close. But the last two minutes of any game, they always wait to put in the best players, man. You know, they may even give them a little break right before those last two minutes. 
And I think about the church in the earth right now, and I don't, I don't think, oh, we're so messed up. I think, no, God saw something inside you that reser- he reserved you for this hour. Because he, he believed, he knew that the, 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 the root system of your heart, it, it, would, it would come alive with the values of the kingdom of God. It would come alive with the power of the kingdom. That he needed and wanted a believing bride in the earth in an hour of the greatest trial and tumult. And, and he, it was like he set it up for that team that would be on the field in the last two minutes. They would be living the values. They'd be walking out the power of the kingdom. And that would stand in such opposition against the culture. And I believe that's who we are right now. And, and so I just want to say this, that we have this beautiful honor right now to really walk out what we believe. And, and it really does mean like when we see that, like blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the sons of God. That we don't just, that's not just a nice Bible thought. It's not just the verse of the day. It's okay Help me to be transformed and conformed into living my life as a peacemaker, laying myself down to bring the power and the glory and the presence and the peace of God into the earth. That's our great honor. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, we're going to go into this more next week. We're going to talk about what it looks like to walk this out. I'll be drawing some things out of the Apostle Paul's life. Let's go ahead. Let's stand. I want to have a heart of a reconciler. I don't want to have that can full of gasoline to pour on the fire. I want that power of the Holy Spirit to put out fires in the culture, to bring power that transcends. Would you just... Set your heart before the Lord just for a moment. If you say, Lord, I, I want to walk out this value of the kingdom. I want to be a peacemaker. I, I want to be a reconciler. Just place your hand on your heart. This is, this is what we have to be right now, beloved. Lord, I'm asking for your church. I'm asking for us as a spiritual family that we would have the heart of a reconciler. We'd have the heart of of a peacemaker. Lord, I speak over our family. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the sons of God. Release that over us, God, that we would walk out Jesus' prayer and dream in John 17. We would be one, even as you and the Father are one. And that the cross it would be our power to lay our lives down for one another, to lay our lives down in a culture that's so filled with rage, to bring peace through Jesus. Lord, make us a people that bring peace, not that just keep the peace, that work the peace. Do that in us, God, I ask. We give you thanks, Lord. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Amen, amen. amen. All right, God bless you guys. So good to see you this morning.